Hey y'all, Pastor Amel here with another episode of Sweet Jesus. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Ice cream is sweet, but Jesus is far sweeter. And uh, Mardi Gras I knew it. is sweet to a lot of people, Yeah, but I would argue Jesus is sweeter, and, and that's what we're doing here. We're Everyone in there in the area and they're near New Orleans people around the world are coming to New Orleans and the New Orleans area to celebrate Mardi Gras everybody else has off so that they don't get snarled in traffic and we're here there's no traffic right now in our area everybody it's like a ghost town <laughs> it does seem kind of like a ghost yeah. town cuz they're all around where the parties are right yep so but we're here cuz Jesus is sweeter than even Mardi Gras. Can I say a few things to the Mardi Gras people right now? You certainly can, yeah. You said you didn't want to talk about it. Well, this. I'm just going to tell them, have fun, be safe. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> have fun, be safe, that's it? Yes, to my Christian brothers, stay safe. That's what I would say. Stay safe. <laughs> yeah, stay safe, yeah. <laughs> I say that to my kids sometimes. I'm like, go have fun. Like, I really want you to have fun. I really want you to enjoy yourself, but remember your identity. That's what I say. Remember right. who you are. Remember who you are. Yeah, that's good. Who you are. Yes. Not who you are if and only if you get everything right. Correct. Yeah. You're about to go there already. I see that. Well, okay. we don't have to go there. But you you were telling me earlier about Mardi Gras. It's not, um, it's not partying necessarily. You know, for a lot of people, it's just family, right? For a lo- that, I mean, that's true. For a lot of people, it is just about creating memories, hanging out with your family, um, just having a good time with people you love and enjoy. Um, but for some of us who are just visiting, <laughs> we're creating some other memories that we might want to forget. But yeah, 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 yeah. There's some crazy stuff that goes on there. But again, I'm here. You're here. We're here together, and and that's I think way cooler. So I want to, can I, I love you, Pastor Amos. So sure. It's okay for us to say that? Yeah. Okay. Why not? I said it, so. Jesus says it. Yes. I think he's like a man's man. He's the ultimate man's man. Yeah. Yeah. And and more. What you got for us today? Uh, no, I don't know. It sounds like you want to talk about that, so. Well, no, I just wanted, I've, I've, been, I've been wanting to say this since I got here. I just want you to know I love you, so. I love Is you that too, weird? Brother. It's not weird, though. Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. I think lots of people around here say that. Do they? Open arms, yeah. To who? To me, to each other. I've been here a bunch of times, so now I'm talking to open arms. Ain't nobody told me they love me since I've been here. I'm slightly offended right now. Wow. You just said everyone says everybody. I'm I'm new to open arms still. I'm I'm still a newbie, only a couple years. The door is always open. It's supposed to be closed. Well, there you go, but it's open. Right? That's yeah. the I love you, Ecom. Okay. Right? Y'all are forgiven. And I and I unlocked it. I unlocked the front doors so that you didn't get like stuck there. Okay. Yeah. Y'all are forgiven. Okay. All right. We love you, Ecom. Thank you. I love you, Ecom. Thank you. You feel better now? I do. Jesus loves you. That's all that really matters. Really, it is. Yeah. It is. The only thing that matters. Even though people don't think that that matters. I don't know if you... There are a lot of people that are um, critics, maybe, of the church. Like, oh, like some mysterious person in the sky loves you. What is that supposed to do for you? But actually, I think it's everything. The, the fact that Jesus loves us is everything. Yeah. Yeah. 
agreed a hundred thousand percent. Yeah. It's the I believe it's the it's the core, it's the foundation of it all. So it's because I think people have never encountered that, have never truly encountered, have never truly experienced the love of like what his love really is, what it means, what it feels like. You know what I'm saying when I say that? Like it was never truly and I talked about this last time. That's what changed me and that's what's transforming me now. I think I'm still under transformation. <laughs> yeah. I'm still a project. We we're all gonna be yeah. uh works in progress until yeah. No, but I, I I would agree with you that people haven't had that. Um I think what they don't realize, the critics at least, what they don't realize is that they are actually trying to find love from some mysterious person Mm -hmm. that they don't necessarily recognize as a person, but they're trying to justify themselves, justify their existence, right? Hey, I'm here and it's worth it that I'm here and I'm important and I'm valuable. And then they work their butts off trying to make a living or prove themselves in a career or prove themselves to a uh, romantic partner or to their parents or to somebody. Like we're all kind of doing that. But really all of that is about God. Like we don't re- we don't realize we're doing it, but we're trying to prove it to God. And uh, you may think we're crazy for acknowledging that there's a person sure. that's, that's looking down, uh, but he's already given his – love to us no, and he knows we we can't possibly do it all as we said i said earlier he doesn't want us to be perfect he just wants us to live surrendered so that's something i always say so his love is perfect his love cast out all fear his love is is it's pure you know what i'm saying it's 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 his love gives me purpose does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know how we just went there, but I guess that's where we're going, right? So back to encounter first and then the perfect and surrendered thing. You were saying that you think people don't get it. They don't understand the love of God, the love of Jesus, because they haven't had this encounter. Mm-hmm. How do you help people have that encounter? I mean, you were just standing on a street corner, Lundy Gras, the Monday before Ash Wednesday, yep. not Tuesday, um, and and somebody said something to you, and you flipped out because you thought they said something else, but that was actually like the Spirit of God talking to you. Yeah. I don't know how to make that happen. <laughs> like, I'm not... God, I don't tell God what to do, but he does show up, right? I mean, he obviously showed up for you. So so, so I, I have a, a pastor friend. Can I give a shout out? Sure. Pastor David Walker. Um, he was one of my first mentors. Um, he's a wonderful family, great life. And I remember when I, he was at the first church that I was a part of. And I never, I never forgot he said this to me because I was complaining I called it praying, but I was complaining. <laughs> um, and I was I was asking him like why um why my friends aren't getting saved, why my friends aren't encountering Jesus. And he said to me, The only difference between you and your friends 
is you opened your heart. Like he's chasing. So my point that I'm making is he's, he's chasing, he's going after, he's pursuing everyone with the same love, with the same passion. But some people aren't, aren't at the place yet to encounter. They're not there. Like they're still, my pride was down. Like I, I was, I was in need of a savior. You know what I'm saying? And I think some people haven't reached the place to experience him because they're still trying to do things, like you said, on their own. They're still trying to prove. And a lot of times trying to prove is pride. But I was in full, like, Jesus, if you're real, help me out of this mud. And then the encounter happened. So in my heart, I was asking, I was looking, I was searching. I was in need of help. You know what I'm saying? And I think a lot of people are still like, yeah. I can do it on my own. And to, as, as long as we're still at that place where I can do it on my own, I haven't surrendered yet. So that's just my two cents. Uh, that's good. I, I think that's good. Uh, the Bible does say that he wants everybody to be saved. Yeah. He's going after everybody, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why isn't everybody saved? You stubborn, stiff-necked people who constantly resist, resist the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Say that I didn't say that. Pastor Amos said that, by the way. But the yeah. Bible says that. The Bible. Yeah. I'm quoting the Bible, yeah. I think. I mean, I don't know that I got it I think it's 100%. Acts chapter 7, verse 51, when he says, you, mm-hmm. you stiff-necked Stephen. people, mm-hmm. you do always resist the Holy Spirit, like your fathers. Yeah. So we have people that are resisting. Inside yielding. and outside the church. Yeah. Right, because he's talking to, I mean, they're not the church per se because they didn't ever believe in Jesus, but they're church people. Sure. They're the religious people that were, that should have gotten it. Mm. Right? Mm. That doesn't mean none of them got it, Nicodemus. Right? But a lot of them did. And then they tried to kill the people. They're about to kill Stephen. Yeah. And he decides to double down and call them stubborn, stiff necked people, which actually God calls them in the Old Testament. I think he's actually he he he's goes quoting, through yeah, given, an entire history of yeah. how they have been historically stubborn and stiff-necked people. Ouch. Stephen is breaking it down for real. My my favorite part of that is this is and I think it's the hardest part is at the end after he's stoned, he says forgive them for they know not what they, you know, for the same thing Jesus said, right? Mhm. And so to me, that's the ultimate, and I, I, th- I don't know if I'm right when I say that, but I think there's only two times that you see Jesus standing, and at that moment, he's, he's standing, like, applauding. It's like He's like, my language, yo, Stephen, you did that. Like yeah. You're doing it for real. Um, and I think that's the place we all need to get to, and I think that's how your question was, how do we lead people into an encounter? It's when we're, we love our lives like unto death. So... I talk about death all the time at church, and I think sometimes when they're like, Pastor, are you still talking about dying? I think that's the ultimate. Jesus talked a lot about dying. <laughs> I don't know how we just went straight. <laughs> straight well, there. No, no, I mean, but that's what you're – I'm just backing you up. Yeah. Right? I mean, Jesus talked about dying to ourselves. Anyone who doesn't take up his cross and follow me, it's no part of me, Right? That's heavy, right? Yeah. That's, I mean, it's just heavy. If, if, if you don't take up your cross and follow me, you have no. Yeah, that's a big deal. Anyway. 
It's your show. He also <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you think I know what I'm doing, yeah. Jeez, no, but he 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 does talk about dying, not just to us, but uh, anyone who saves his si- tries to save his life will lose it. Anyone who loses his life for my sake will find it. And everyone, I believe, Pastor Amo, that inside and out, like you said, that we're trying to save our own lives. Mm. And if you're trying to save your own life, you don't need a savior. And I was at the point where I was broken. Um, My pride was all gone. You know, I was just like, I can't do this alone. Um, God was ministering to my heart. I didn't know what that, what that was, but the, I just think our place to bring people to encounter, I can't bring you to an encounter, but I can take the, the love that he shed abroad in my heart and do my best to try to translate that to you. And the Holy Spirit has to do the rest. Yeah. I mean, ultimately no one can confess Jesus as Lord except by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. right. So I can get real preachy too. Ooh, sweat. And it means <laughs> nothing unless your heart's ready. Yeah. So I hope I was answering your question, how we bring people to. No, I think that that's really helpful. I think, when we got into Stephen a little bit, though, that's so. So, in one sense, we have to be around when people are at their lowest, mm. right? Like, if you're not there when people are having those moments where they finally are starting to realize, "Man, I can't do this." Yeah. Um, when when they're finally willing to say. I do need some help. When they're finally willing to open up their heart, who's around? You know, I would say less and less frequently it's people like us. It's not pastors. Yeah. It's like Christians. Stephen wasn't a pastor. He was a deacon. Sure. Because they they had – it's like chapter 6 and then chapter – I mean he wasn't a deacon for very long. (laughs) (laughs) That is really funny, yeah. So – uh, this is really just a dude who loved Jesus, followed Jesus, saw Jesus for who he was. You just said something. Uh, I, I just said something. See, you keep saying I'm the one doing it. You're doing it. No, because you said he was just a dude. That's a quote. Just Write a that dude. down if you're taking notes. He <laughs> was just a dude. That was in love with Jesus. And I think that's, a, for for me, my experience in, in Christendom, I think sometimes we're in love with, uh, in a sense, I, mean, I hope I can say this right, that we're in love with the idea, but we haven't surrendered to the principles. Like we, 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 we say we love the person, but we don't follow the principles. And so Stephen was all involved, like Jesus is my everything. So much to the point where he was willing to like. I'm thinking, doesn't it say in that in that text that they they were gnashing on him? They gnashed, gnashing of teeth. Ah, oh, what? I don't really know what, exactly what that is. Maybe you can help me, but I think that's well, it's biting. Like, yeah, I don't think they were literally biting him. What? Uh, kind of like gnashing your teeth is like anger. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah, yeah, just like that. There you go. <laughs> and then they stoned him. And he says, forgive them. That means you're all in. Yeah. And I think some of us haven't even reached the place, um, in my experience, to where my love for him 
is greater than my greater than my love for the things around me. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> to even preach that way. Yeah. Well, and you know, of course, to preach that way, you gotta. I mean, I don't know how you preach, but I usually get. Oh, it's coming! Ha! And, no, I don't do that. <laughs> Thank you for clearing up maybe some stereotypes for some <laughs> listeners. I don't know, but no, I, I, what I mean is, I got to hear it first. Like it happens to me first, amen. Before it happens to you, yep. And that's why sometimes I can't get a sermon together because I don't know what's happening to me yet. <laughs> <laughs> that's real. Yeah, but that's uh, so a lot of pastors, and I and I understand this, but I've heard very often, and I would agree with this. Like I, I do actually think pastors, and I, and I've tried to do this myself. I think pastors get lost in sermon prep and Bible study prep and all this other kind of stuff in studying that they don't have personal devotion time, and I think that's a real thing. But I've also always wondered, like, so wait, like your sermon prep, God's not working on you? Uh, right? Half the time uh, in my sermon prep, I'm a mess. I tell, like, I, I, I talked about this earlier. What do we call it? Pre? Um, I try to be as transparent and pos- transparent as possible without giving you all the details. And I would say for me, 90% of the stuff I preach is what God's been dealing with me about. For the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. And I finally reached the place where I'm like, oh, okay, I know how to do that now. Yeah. And then now on Sundays, you're getting it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been getting it. Now it's time for you to get it. Yeah. So, no, it's. Uh, I will say this, though. Can I add this? Sure. That the more I minister to people, the more I fall in love with people. Like I've heard it said, like, church would be great if there wasn't people. Have you ever heard that before? Uh, I've probably said it. <laughs> yeah, you lying devil, right? So it's like to me, that's to me. I'm, I'm gonna be myself. All of that to me, that's demonic. Like that thought process, because Jesus came for people, yeah, right. And so for me to think, and I used to think that way, but now I look at people and I'm like, which this is a selfish plug. My book, yeah, seeing through the eyes of Jesus. The more I minister, the more I'm seeing people, and I'm like, yo, we need some help. Yeah, we do. <laughs> well, so that's the thing. It's both. What I say to my kids, like they, I think they pretty much got it down. Should is, this be on the podcast? Yeah, I mean, All right. it's on topic. All right. And it's not like I'm chastising them. Okay. You know, so I'm not outing them or something on some <laughs> secret sin or something that they'll hate me for later. Excuse me. Uh, no, it's just, hey, kids, what's wrong with the world? People. <laughs> what's right with the world? People. People. And like what's what makes the world good? What makes life worth living? People. People. So the church is both <laughs> just absolutely not cursed, but what's a, you know, plagued by this <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing oh, literally <laughs> out loud right now. Uh, you know, plagued like, by these people. Yeah, cuz the people, right? Mhm. And then at the same time, the church isn't the church without people. People, yeah. And the church doesn't do what the church is supposed to do without people. Um, man, there were so many things that you were we were talking about. We we're talking about the sermon prep and 
Did I did I get off subject? No, we were not even on a subject. Yeah. I don't know where <laughs> we're just all over the place, and it's good. Is that okay with everyone? If we're, I'm sure they'll let us know. This is how we. When this I come sit down in that room, <laughs> I told my wife. I actually said this to her. I said, "I don't know how long I'm going to be. I don't know how long I'm going to be." So, well, I have something at one o'clock. So, okay, we we shouldn't be much longer than that, I guess. It's always healthy conversation. So, I think so. I mean, I wish I could remember what you said like two minutes ago because it like smacked me upside the head. Like, oh man, oh, this is what I was going to ask you about. Because t- we were talking about love and Jesus. Yeah. In Lutheran circles, which is, you know, open arms is not branded Lutheran, but it's historically Lutheran. It's connected with a Lutheran denomination. I was trained in a Lutheran seminary. That was a joke, but I, I sent you a text. You you had that gif with a baby, like, you know, doing all this, like, <laughs> thing. Yeah. And then I sent you back, oh, we're Lutheran. We don't do that. And I had a guy just, like, fall over. In the chairs that I wasn't making fun of you. I was just like, we're sleepy, boring. Oh, okay. Got it. I didn't didn't get it. That's (laughs) that's what I'm like. I should explain this to you. Yeah. So Lutherans are are different, right? And one of the things that makes them different, and and I can explain to you why a little bit, but they, they really don't like this idea of loving Jesus. Oh, I'm sorry. Believe No, I'm, I'm cool with it. But I want you to help me educate some people. Okay, that's what I'm. That's where I'm going ultimately. But and the reason why they would say that I think is that well, if it's up to you to love Jesus, well, then you're pretty much going to suck at that always. Sure, because I get that though I do because that's Lutherans. Lutherans come out of the Reformation with this guy Martin Luther, who just had such an awareness of his heart that even when he was doing good, like he could tell that he didn't really like doing the good. He still kind of want, like he, sure. the, the Paul Roman, Roman seven, seven yeah. thing, like yeah. he was just acutely aware of that. And he was also in a system where they emphasized the law, the rules, the achievement, like you got to do this, you got to do that if you don't man, you got to make up for it somehow. And you're constantly trying to balance out these scales, right? The scales of justice. And he just realized that there was so much on one that there is no way, right? So, so as a result, there's this reflexiveness within most Lutheran circles about anything good really is to remind ourselves and to remind other people that, well, yeah, uh, you shouldn't lie, but you know, you're probably a liar anyway. Like, you're still a liar. Because Jesus basically says we are. You know, he's like, yeah, you didn't cheat on your wife, but you're probably still an adulterer. You're you're not a murderer, but you are a murderer. You know, that's the Sermon on the Mount. And we really like to, like, despise ourselves. (laughs) We have this self-hatred, you know, like we just pile on in that sense. As almost as if it's like a pious thing sure. to lift up the work of Jesus. Like I can't possibly live up to this or – Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and actually Luther talks about some of his battles with the devil. Like he actually – I mean which most Lutherans don't actually talk about this stuff. But Luther 
you can read about his battling with Satan and temptation. Okay. And one of the things he would say is like, you know, so if Satan is trying to torment you or something, you know, you can actually do do some small sin so that you're basically proving that you know it's not up to you, it's up to Jesus kind of thing. Wow. But it gets a oh, little crazy. Don't write that down. Don't write that down. <laughs> it gets a little crazy among Lutherans sometimes. <laughs> like there's a, a phrase, uh, wherever you find four Lutherans, you're bound to find a fifth. And it's got not, it. It's not a fifth person. At first, that went right over my head. <laughs> it took me a second. I got it. I got it. Got it. Yeah, and he's got a, a quote, something like, "Who loves not women, wine, and song remains a fool his whole life long." Is that a Martin Luther quote? <laughs> I think so. it's attributed to him in some places. There may be some disputing. He definitely has one about beer. I'm learning a lot right that, now. Well, he's German too. Sure. You know, so the beer one, I'm pretty sure is his, and it goes something like. You know, beer is proof that God wants us to be happy. You know? Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, back to the whole loving Jesus thing. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Who did turn a bunch of water into wine. I'm just saying. <clears throat> I, knew, I knew, you know, yeah. 180 mm-hmm. gallons of it. And, and Ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Abel. The, <laughs> the Messiah in uh, Amos. I think in Joel. Are you still talking about turning into wine? I'm talking about wine. Okay. So Amos, Joel, and I think another couple of places where it talks about the messianic age where the mountains are going to drip with wine. Uh Uh-huh. And so Jesus, when he turns all this water into wine, it's symbolizing the Messiah, the messianic age has begun. But did you know where there's a, a Jewish rabbinical phrase that says, where there is no wine, there is no joy. And so wine is like this symbol for joy. And so Jesus shows up. He's fulfilling the messianic things and loving Jesus. <laughs> Back yep. to loving Jesus. I was trying to get a scripture for us, but go ahead. So they really are, you know, Lutherans, and not just Lutherans. I think there are a lot of people. They kind of poo-poo some of this music. Yeah, it's, I'm trying to. They hate on it. They, they I, it's either I, you just <clears throat> you're, you're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> they hate on this music. They poo poo the music because it's like Jesus is my boyfriend music. Like, oh come on, you you sound like you're talking about your boyfriend or your girlfriend or or whatever, and. And I used to be in that club. Like, mm-hmm. I used to say stuff like that. Like, what are we talking about here? And and actually, there, there are a lot of people that would say that actually guys are not as drawn to that kind of music because it is a little bit too emotional for us. Like, when you were asking me about, oh, I love you, Pastor Animal, can I say that? I knew. That's why the like, whole why did you? let's get right there. Yeah. Why did you feel the need to say, is it okay if I can say that? Because it makes us uncomfortable. Yeah, sure. Right? It, or it can make guys uncomfortable so the music i think now instead of what all these other people that have been saying for a long time i think it makes us uncomfortable because we should love jesus like that Mm -hmm. like why do we love boyfriends and girlfriends like that and not jesus so can i i don't have an answer to that 
question, but I think I'm going to get there if that's okay. Okay. So the first thing is I get the whole concept of how you were saying, I don't, I can't, it's hard to love, like I can't love him. You know, he loves me. Peter, this is how I see it. So Peter would always say he loved Jesus. Like, I love you, phileo, love me, like, I love you. But then Peter actually failed. Like, Peter actually was cussing by the thing warming his hands. So he was trying to express his love. But then John had his head on the heartbeat of Jesus, and he always talked about how Jesus loved him. Mm. And I think when we get understanding or revelation of how much the Father loves us, that's when we really can reciprocate our love for him. So it's first, it's not saying I love him, it's understanding that he loves me. And then when I get that encounter of like, yo, like Jesus really like died for me personally, Mm. it is in that place where I move from religion to relationship, where I'm in a relationship with him. And then we first, John says like you, like God is love and he who doesn't love don't even know God. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think. If I can say it that way, religion, ceremonies have taught us, um, and I don't want to be offensive when I say that, but sometimes we're, we're, we, we can serve God, but we can't know God. And I think that's the ultimate thing is to know him, right? And when mm-hmm. I know him, I, I, I can't help. There's a, there's a preacher I heard before he said this, like, one look. <laughs> he says, one look at Jesus' face, like, for real. When you see him... As he is, the Bible says you'll be like him. First John 3, yeah. Yeah. And so when I see him, he says, one look, why would you ever want to look away? Right? And that's, that's kind of on another book. I have one called Captivated that I'm writing, and that's what I'm talking about, about like actually knowing him. And I think sometimes religious has taught him. Tell me if I'm wrong, but religion, if I use it, you know what I mean when I say it. I'm just talking about like the, the system of it. Not everyone gets that, but I get what you're yeah. saying. There's a distinction between faith in Jesus and the gospel, which is not typical religious, right? Like I'm going to do things to get God on my side, sure. but that God has done something for me and captivated my heart. And now I see the world through Jesus eyes, plugging both your books there in Mm -hmm. one sentence. Good job. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, That, that, that's not the same thing. They're, they're two very different things. Yeah. So I'm trying not to use that word as much, but I'm, you know what I mean, that the, the, the rigmarole, as I call it, the thing that gets stale um, is not rooted in knowing him and following him and walking. The disciples walked with him. They got to know him. Like Even when Jesus died, I think it's Luke 24 maybe, but he said, did not our hearts burn within us when he broke bread with us and gave us the truth. And like, that's what I'm saying when I'm like loving, like I love my time with him. I love him just talking to me and, and, and me reading his word. Like literally when I read his word, it's like therapy. Mm. Like oftentimes, even in my church, I throw my Bible. So I'm, I can't believe this is even in this book. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um. So I think there's a, I love him versus discovering his love for me, which in turn ignites my heart for love for him. Which is actually biblical. You talk about First John, First John 4, specifically, mm-hmm. God is love. And you can't, without love, you can't say you know God. First That's John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. Exactly. So that sums up, I think, what kind of you're getting at. Amen. 
And I think that we can, we should be able to say we love Jesus just like we should be able to say, in a sense, you know, I'm not a liar. Oh, I'm not an adulterer. I'm Ooh. not a murderer, right? Because, like, I, I haven't murdered anybody. Yes, I don't perfectly love my neighbor in the the incredibly impossible level that Jesus ratchets the law up to. Sure. Which I think he does on purpose to show us that it's not about how we do it and to, to push us to go beyond just what's written. That, that that was like the basics. Like, hey, th- this is just to keep society from going off the rails. But really, <laughs> <clears throat> we got to get at your heart. Yeah. Right? So uh, I think we can say that we love Jesus, albeit him imperfectly. And and Jesus actually asks Peter at the end, after he screwed up. That's where I thought you were going to go. Um, John 21. Do you love me? Do you love me? He actually asks that question. Of course I love you, Jesus, like a friend. Mm-hmm. Of course I love you like a brother, but I think Jesus was going to a whole nother level. Like, anyway, go ahead. Yeah. You got this yeah. one. Well, and, and he's <clears throat> he's saying like, well, yeah, I guess I love you. I think he had that but same I know look on I don't. that you had. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing a dramatic yeah. <laughs> retelling of John 21. <clears throat> Sorry, a little frog in my throat. But uh, I think finally he gets to a place where like, yeah, Jesus, I know that I don't really love you the way I probably should mm. or the way that I will one day. But I'm here. And I and, think that's okay. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and, you know, thinking about guys. Macho. And and not just uh, guys, Germans in particular, like Lutherans tend to be German, Scandinavian, like way more stoic-like than your average person in the world. Uh, and so we kind of like glorify the lack of those emotion things, probably a little bit more, maybe. Excuse me. But anybody that's been in war, you know, like, and and they've seen things that, and I don't know this from personal experience, but when I when I look at guys that I've known that have been in war, that have served alongside brothers in arms, and and they. The, the things that they had to do for each other, mm. the love that they had to show one another, right? Because, I mean, it doesn't look like love that we often picture in our minds, but that's love when you're trying to help and Laying save down and your lay life down your brother. life. Yeah. Yeah, no greater love. John 15, Jesus 13. hooks this thing up for us, man. He does. He yeah. does. And those Those dudes, they cry at their... Their brothers' funerals, they they sometimes only have to wait until the funeral. I mean, they, there's a bond there, and there's a love for one another, and they keep coming back together. There's one guy I know, he served in Vietnam, and he has buddies. I don't know if they're still doing it because they're all kind of getting a little bit older mm-hmm. and, you know, mobility, and then I don't know what happened with 2020. I, I haven't been in contact with this guy for a couple of years. but I don't think any of us <clears throat> know what happened with 2020. Was that even a year? Uh, it's the you ever see the Princess Bride? Uh, one of my favorites. Love it. So you know, can uh, I say that? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. 
you know how they suck a year out of his life? Mm. I just hope it was 2020. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to suck away a year of my life, just take that one. That's fine. It'll probably feel better actually afterward. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, these guys, they get together year after year after year and and they just have this like this bond. This And you can see it on the guy's face. You know, and when he would talk about these guys and when he would talk about what they did for each other and um, – you know, and that's the love of Jesus. He loves those guys. He may have trouble saying it, like that word, the L word, yeah. whatever. Probably because there's generations of men who didn't say "I love you" to your sure. kids, right? Like, oh well, I show them. You know, you, well, you can say it too. There's nothing wrong with saying it. Uh, but that that man loved his brothers, and if he can love his brothers like that, how much more for somebody like Jesus, right? The man's man, the ultimate man. I mean, like one heck How of a in the war. World did we get here? Well, it's, you know, just having a conversation. Okay. Right? Is it that shocking? I mean, this For- is actually the most coherent our conversations <laughs> have probably ever been. Because <laughs> I actually have notes and I'm trying to get us like back and, you know, like, oh yeah, First John 4 19. And I think we can sing Jesus is my boyfriend music. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think we should. I think it's wow. a healthy spiritual practice. I think David does it. Can we not state it the way you just stated? I'm, I'm stating it that way because of the opposition, so to speak. Yeah. So people that are kind of like, eh, it's kind of like fluffy and touchy feely. That sounded and, extremely fluffy, touchy <laughs> feely. But but it's true. But I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah I get what you're saying. Yeah. One thing will I seek after. Like that it's the it's the that's where I am. And so I I've gone in and out of that phase, so to speak, where relationally maybe I'm un, I'm not focused, but every time and I I tell my wife this all the time, every time I get I don't want to say rededicated, but I start pursuing him more, I I fall more and more in love. Yeah. The, but I uh, would never say <laughs> but, but, yeah, no. Okay. Well, definitely not today. Yeah. I mean, there are enough people saying weird things about Jesus. And Ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Amo. <laughs> Pastor Ecom. Yes. Everyone. <laughs> That's my favorite. You got to do that more often. <laughs> well, the laugh track for a buddy of yours, too. Pastor Daryl, shout out to Triumphant Life Church. Nice. Where things end well. That's probably not how he wanted that to go, though. Yeah. Like, They're in End Well, New York. End Well. Yes. Where Little League World Series. They won the Little League World Series a few years ago. End Well, New York. Where yeah. in New York is that? Oh, you know where Johnson City is? Like um, Albany? Big, Binghamton? Am I saying that right? Binghamton? Yeah. University? It's in that area. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's not far from Williamsport, actually. PA, where they have the World mm-hmm. Series. What does that have to do with Jesus? I don't know. <laughs> it's a church. It's a church. So you were talking about Peter, and I've been uh, working on this book, uh, going through John's gospel, the disciple who Jesus loved. Right? You talked about how he viewed things about how Jesus loved him. That's actually really pretty cool. Um, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. Yeah, it sounds so arrogant, right? It does yeah. sound really. It was better than saying, I don't know, what else do you say? Me? 
That's a to me. That's a good. Wait, say that again. Who was else you going to say? Oh, yeah, there was Peter and me, like or me and Peter. However, you're supposed to do that grammatically. I don't care. Like, imagine thinking about. I don't want to get you off subject. If I am, I apologize. But imagine <laughs> thinking that I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. The awareness of that. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. You are the reason why Jesus left the bliss of heaven in his Father's presence. You are the reason why he, I mean, not just like pain and suffering, like the fact that his back ached when he got up off the ground in the morning, right? Like that wasn't a thing where he was. Getting hungry, getting thirsty, that wasn't a thing. And he decided to come here, go through all of that stuff, deal with people. <laughs> <sighs> people, right? And then go through the most awful, horrific, harrowing experience anyone could ever go through, not just because of the nails, the, the beating, the the injustice, I mean, like imagine, like justice is like a thing, right? It's, it's a it's a phrase we're, we're hearing it a lot now. People care a lot about it. There is not a single person on the planet that's actually really experienced injustice the way Jesus has. Come on, Jesus actually was perfect, and he was convicted, and then sentenced to death. Like even if I am convicted of something I didn't do. There's plenty of other things I did do. Sure. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. I'm not saying we shouldn't pursue justice. I'm just saying that thinking about that, Jesus <clears throat> went, I mean, <clears throat> have you ever, like, that's awful when people are blaming you for something you didn't do. It was the worst possible death anyone could experience. Mm-hmm. And then when he's on the cross, it's not the nails and and – and the scratches on his back. This and is really good. Difficulty breathing. It's the fact that God, he he who knew no sin became sin for us. So God treated him like sin. And uh, he, he, he lost connection moment. I don't know how that happened. Like this is some weird, bizarre spiritual thing that, you know, how is God – not be connected to God somehow at at some point, but that's what it is. That's what Jesus, I think, is all worried about in the Garden of Gethsemane, to where he's sweating blood. Yeah, yeah, he's not like talk about stress. He's not going. Oh man, I'm gonna have some nails in my hand. Come on, <clears throat> because he's saying I'm gonna be separated from love. Exactly. I almost got emotional just now. So this is something I got from uh, Tim Keller. I've heard him say this. I don't know if he originated it or not, and I've shared it a few times in other places, but I can't not share it when the topic comes up. So if you think about losing somebody that, uh, or, or somebody that dies, if it's out in California, no idea who it is. Right, it's, right. It's, you know, page eight in the newspaper. If... <laughs> You still read a newspaper. 
if what it's, century are you from? Yeah. <laughs> 20th, actually. A different century than the one we're in. Wow. Holy cow. Are we that old? Maybe you are. <laughs> so if it's uh, in your state, you know, maybe it's page three, four. If it's in your town, front page. Possibly. If it's somebody you went to high school with, now it touches yeah. you. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. If it's somebody that you were best friends with from like second grade on to now 40s, 50s, 60s, however old you are. Oh. You know, so the 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 idea is that the closer not not just proximity but the the intimacy, the closeness of the relationship and the length of time increases the amount of pain when the relationship's disrupted That's or broken. That's so good. Right? So good. So now, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, infinite time. Incredibly uh, infinite, I get inf- intimacy, complete knowing, right? Complete loving and serving and honoring and... So multiply the worst pain you've ever experienced, which for almost everyone, it's not physical. It's this emotional stuff. It's a divorce. It's uh, the death of someone or, uh, uh, you know, a irreconcilable moment, right, where, where close friends or family are, are, you know, disconnected forever or something, right? Those are the, usually the worst pains for people. Now take that pain, multiply it by infinity. That's what Jesus is going through on the cross. So I feel like you're having a moment. I don't want to interrupt it. No, go So for it. this is where um, John has the audacity to say, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. Because Jesus became unrecognizable because he recognized us. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like mm-hmm. that, here we're going back, understanding that, like really understanding that. And it may take a while to understand that, to even comprehend that. But when you start thinking that way, um, man, he came for me. He came for you. I am the disciple that Jesus came to experience all of that for. You know, the case for that understanding. We just said something just now. I think we did. (laughs) I think we did. The case for understanding it that way, uh, the way Tim Keller kind of phrases this, Sets it up usually, you know, he'll tell stories about all kinds of martyrs. Uh, the, the Jewish people were the, the intertestamental period, so between Malachi and Matthew, basically, the time that is uh, in between those, the, the Old and New Testament, is filled with a tremendous amount of religious persecution. Uh, you know, they, uh, they go through a lot at the hand of the Romans. There are stories of, you know, people willingly refusing to bow to Roman authority, refusing to give up their faith and, you know, having their tongues cut out or their limbs cut off, um, watching their loved ones harmed, right? So, like, I can't make you give up on God by hurting you, but I might be able to get you to give up on God by hurting someone sure. you love. I mean, the back ultimate to the whole torture. relationship. Yep. Exactly. See, there we go again, back mm-hmm. to that relational idea. That's the worst pain. 
And then you look at martyrs in the Christian church. There's a story, I forget, I think it's Thomas Cranmer. He's a guy in England who at one point signed some document recanting, and he was right-handed, so he signed with his right hand. But then at some point he's like, no, 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 I can't anymore. Like, I'm not going to recant. And and so he winds up getting burned at the stake because of this. Wow. But that's not even, right? So this dude supposedly gets up and as his last words, you know, they got the fire going. And he's like, (laughs) let, you know, the the phrase is, I, I can't remember exactly what he says, but it's something like, you know, the worst part of me, the, the, the part that caused me to sin, let that part be burned first. And he sticks his hand, his right hand, the hand that signed the paper, into the fire, burns it off before they, like, what? So this is why, like, Jesus getting nails in his hands and feet, that's not, that can't be what it's all about. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think we are kind of answering the question of how to bring people to encounter. It's just we, as believers, Christians, Lutheran, what do we call? I don't even know what we're called. Non-denominational. Um, you don't it, really need a label. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we have to get to the place where we lay our lives down, just like Jesus did. And it's at that place where people see him. Until we get there, I don't think. Um, I mean, there's always going to be people that deny him. There's always going to be people that that choose death over life, like choose the world way or whatever you want to call it. But as as long as we have that place of true surrender, then I think that will help people have the encounter. If I think we're kind of going that path, I think that's what that we're kind of. Somehow answering that original question, how do we lead people to encounter? So painting a picture for people about something beautiful, not to continue to sound less and less manly as we go on. (laughs) Yeah. But no, something that's inspiring. And I don't think people see an awful lot of inspiring things from the church. Or by and large, they don't doesn't mean it's not happening. Right. It's just they aren't necessarily seeing it up close. Uh, and, and, and you know, a 30,000-foot level, it doesn't look like it's happening in most churches. Sure, right? sure. Right? Uh, but how can you tell somebody, hey, there's a God who, like, died for you, but uh, I don't really want to do anything for you. <laughs> <laughs> right. How how do you tell that there's a God who forgives if you're gonna say, Hey, there's a God who forgives you, but, but I don't I'm not gonna you. forgive you. Yeah. Yeah. Or uh here's a God who's always there for you. You're not there. But I'm not gonna be there for you. Yeah. Exactly. How how do you uh, tell somebody about a God who's there to listen, right? He he's always listening. Right? You can pray all the time. He's always listening. But you're not. Like, I get that ultimately they got to go to God because, in a sense, people will always fail them, even good church people, mm-hmm. Christians. But uh, we got to kind of help point in that direction, I think, right? I think it's our job. Like, it's our, it's our, it's our goal 
maybe I'm not saying this right. It's our goal to help people see him. Like he's the head, we're the body. So we, we're disciples, modern day disciples, followers. Mm. I mean, that should be, I was going to make a, another statement, but I'm not going <laughs> to. <laughs> Will you at least tell me what it was later? Yes. Okay. Is it really that bad? It's not bad. It's not bad at all, but it's challenging. And so I'll, I'll, today on this day of rest, I'm not going to challenge anyone. So Why not? I just think we are, we, I'll say it another way, that we are to represent him to the world. Represent, represent. Represent, yeah. So um, the only, you've, you may have heard it like this, the only people, the only Jesus people are going to see are the ones you show, like how you show yourself to be. Yeah. And so we have so many things where, um, like the Holy Spirit's job is not necessarily to make us dance and shout and have a good time. He came so we can be witnesses. And one of the words that translates there in, in Acts 1.8, it's translated as martyr. He came to enable us to lay our life down like he did. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? And so a lot of us are trying to, like you said earlier, we're trying to live our lives versus dying for him. Does that make sense? Mm. And so as long as I'm trying to 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 exalt myself, then uh, I never get a chance to reveal him to people. And that could be buying somebody a Coke. That could be giving water on the side. But mostly it's your daily walking with him and following him and representing him to people and giving them opportunity to see Jesus as he really is through you. Does that make mm. sense? But as long as I'm just like okay with – yeah, I'm not going to say that. I tried to say it another way. I can't, so I'm just going <laughs> to. So you're trying not to sound like a jerk on Mardi Gras? Correct. Most people. Because I was about to talk about Mardi Gras. <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> I think that that's, we we can bridge to something along the lines of Mardi Gras without maybe you saying that, because I think what our struggle is. Can I tell a short story? Sure. Real quick. Yeah. Don't forget. Please don't forget. I, I got it written down. This so I, I'm I'm going to shorten up the story, but it's about um, these people were like in a war, and a lot of the people were 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 hiding in like caves and different places, um, and these these soldiers came in, and they said, um, "You have to denounce Christ, or we're going to kill you." Like everyone here who's a Christian, who 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 wants to live, you know, stand up, and you can leave. Everyone else who won't denounce Christ, I'm going to kill. But the other people who, who are willing to denounce Jesus, you guys can leave. And so you have you heard this story before? So all the people who wanted to live and denounce Jesus left. And then the soldiers laid down their weapons and they took off their, their, their whatever they had. And they said, we just wanted to make sure that we were with real believers. Oh. So... Yeah. It's like that's the place. Like as long we, you said it earlier, like whoever's willing to lose his life, right? And so we're. I think we in Christianity today. We went there in Christianity today. Um, it has turned into something that it wasn't originally in the beginning. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know where that came from, but well, well, that's that's my struggle right now. You know, is that I recognize that God is trying to do something different. And yet I am a part of 
like I'm part of that institutionalized form that it has taken. So how do I, within that, help something that may or may not include that Mm -hmm. in the future? You know, that's the like, especially since my mortgage gets paid because of. (laughs) And we talked about that before. We talked about that. Yeah. Did we talk about that? Kind of. And we can't go there now. Like. Can we go there? If we could, if you are willing to go there, I can go there. I, well, I don't know exactly what going there means, but uh, yeah, I. I <clears throat> so so I, I listened to this podcast by. It's a guy who's a deconstructionist. I don't know if you. I think I mentioned that. I'm not last familiar time. with that phrase. So though. deconstructionism or deconstruction is this idea that you know you first you constructed something or it was constructed for you by your family faith, right? And now you've come to some kind of realization and you're sort of deconstructing. You're, you're looking critically at what was constructed and uh, you're examining it and saying, you know, I don't buy that anymore mm-hmm. or, or I don't buy any of it. I buy some of it. Uh, you know, there, there's different levels of that. <clears throat> but there's this guy who has a, a podcast about that and he is definitely like out of Christianity. Right, and he's trying to create a space for people that are kind of processing. And he, he's, I think he's pretty fair. He, he says that uh, you know you can find yourself still in Christianity or in a different form of Christianity or all this other kind of stuff. But he had a a woman on who's actually from Louisiana originally, and she talked about like some of the most horrific things. Like I just if if I was her. I would probably be where she is. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, people representing, representing Christ mm-hmm. or supposedly saying this is Christ, but it's not anything I know sure. about Jesus. You know, eventually that, that just kind of wears on you, right? But but she, she was part of a church, I guess, where it, it was very much a celebrity pastor type thing. So it's this guy, his family, they run the show. They manage the books. There's there's no accountability. There's nothing. And it's like cultish worship of this guy, even though it's all about Jesus, supposedly. So then I'm thinking like, oh, man, that's awful. It's terrible. And then I go, well, but I'm the guy on the other side where like I've been in churches where I'm not that guy, but I'm surrounded by people that are like that guy. They're just not the pastor, they're, but they're still pulling the strings and they're manipulating and it's all this mm-hmm. worship of a certain person or a certain family or certain families, right? Like they basically run the show and if they don't like the idea, you know, it ain't happening. And then your job then becomes making them happy, which I'm not very good at doing. Which is why I don't usually survive in those kinds of situations. Yeah, I'm I'm much better. I'm I'm sort of a purist, right? Like, what what does God want? And you know, I ask that question enough, people get really upset because they think, well, no, God can't want something that I don't want. That's heavy. That's exactly that. I think that's the the purest way to say it. God can't want something that I don't want. So basically, God is Santa Claus now, right? Mm Mm-hmm. All right, go ahead. I'm letting yeah. you go there. I'm, I, my silence right now is because I'm not getting in trouble. You go ahead, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, but so so there's these 
I, I think one solution has been like a non-denominational movement, right? It's it's getting rid of some of the ways that church has been done before, avoiding the democratization of church where like the spiritual leader is beholden to a majority or at least a minority with majority control, right? And and getting free of that and then kind of doing your own thing, but then that doesn't necessarily work either. It gets abused in another direction because you should have some accountability. Like you can't just yeah. go off the off the rails. It's certainly not duplicatable, right? Because yeah, this one person might not be a train wreck, but the next person probably will be. Sure. So what what is the new thing? I I don't know. So that's what deconstruction is. That we're just trying to create something. I'm asking a question now. Like, so deconstruction is more about like people that have left Christianity or left certain brands of Christianity or take pieces of Christianity uh, but leave some behind. Uh, and I'm just using that conversation that I heard to – to to think about to try and process well what is church going to look like in the future and is it you know so so a deconstruction in a sense of hey when you read Matthew 28 and it says go make disciples of all nations sure and whatever you know the rest that follows most people think i need articles of incorporation Sure. I need a 501c3 certificate. We need a we need a committee. We need to collect some money now. Now that our our, our contributions are tax deductible, now we can take money and we're going to save up and we're going to buy some land. And then we're going to buy a building. And you know what? Maybe first we're going to hire a professional. Right? We're going to hire somebody who's going to do. Wait, we're the, <laughs> we're the professionals. Scary, right? <laughs> Somebody's scary. in trouble, yeah. So we're the professionals, <clears throat> and we're going to do the baptizing and the, the teaching, and, the, and then, and so basically, the disciple making is outsourced. Yes, that's really good. I've I've said that now for a few years, like that that church, the way we do it now, that's really good. Has basically that's become strong. it's the outsourcing of our spirituality in two ways. We're outsourcing our personal spirituality, so I don't actually have to think about God. I don't actually have to read the Bible because I come on Sunday, or Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. For you guys, right? Uh, I come, I'm going to explain <clears throat> that a little bit. I think it, that, that's okay. I'm yeah. not saying you shouldn't do that. I'm just trying to connect what I'm saying here. So I come to church, and there's a guy there or a gal in some cases, right, who has gone to God and processed all kinds of really difficult things, and I'm getting the cliff notes. And that makes it easier for me to go back to my life of whatever, mm-hmm. right? And then the other <clears throat> outsourcing part is beyond just the personal spirituality, but the actual doing of ministry 
and and mission. So as long as I fund the mission, as long as I uh, keep coming on Sunday, then the pastor and, you know, a few special elite people that are close to the pastor or something, they do the work. They they do the rest of the work and, and they tell people about Jesus. And I don't think that's what the Bible says. That's, can, I mean, I'm going to I don't think that's Christianity. If I can say it that way, that's something, that's something else. Um, and so I hope, I hope this makes sense. Like you were talking about people leaving the, the, the faith kind of like that story the lady was telling. And I, I have friends that are Lutheran. I have friends that are Catholic. I have friends that are, are, are Baptist. And then there's a joke. I have thug, I have thug Baptist, you know, like I have, I, I have literally people that I'm in fellowship with and relationship with that don't have the same identical doctrines that, that I hold, but mm-hmm. I know they love Jesus and that's where we, we leave it at. Yeah. Um, so I can go personally, it's a personal, I can go to a Catholic service and I, I, I I'll break down in tears during the, during the worship part. Just because I used to be non-practicing Catholic, I had no idea what was going on in the room. Yeah. But now I'm there, and even though in our worship service there may be someone running to their wig comes off or shouting and screaming, I get the reverence. I understand the, the, the holiness of why we're doing what we're doing. I may not know the details, but I get it. Like we're, we're being soft because we're being reverent to the Lord. And I'll cry. Like I have no problem with other people the way they worship Jesus, um, and so it just confuses me when people leave. I get it, but I'm like, what happened to you had nothing to do with your personal relationship with Jesus. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So that's the part where I'm like, you're leaving the church because of people, versus I'm not understanding. You're actually walking away from a divine covenant, a divine relationship. Um, where there's actual real hope for not just eternity, but for generations to come because you got offended. I just, it's a little bit more than offended. I know. Some, I know. I know. Like it, it was pretty bad. We could talk more about why I think that is yeah. some things I've read and stuff, but I don't know that that's necessary right now. No, we're, we're on a good track. I don't necessarily want to deviate. It just makes much. me a little, a little, Anyway, I love Jesus, so it's just hard for me to leave the faith. Well, there was actually, I shared a post yesterday, I think. Um, probably just read it for you. It's uh, My comment was, it, it takes more than just, quote, church to be a part of God's capital C church, like sure. big church, not like cross-denominational, pan-denominational. I said there is an intellectual component and a spiritual component to faith in Jesus that can see us through times when, quote, church fails us completely. I can also speak from personal experience as Keller does. This is a Tim Keller quote that he posted on uh, Facebook. Thanks for the great discussion around how modern people lose faith in Christianity. Here's my take. Human knowledge has a, one, rational intellectual aspect. A two experiential intuitive That's aspect. That's it right there too. Yeah. And a three social pragmatic aspect. That is we come to know something well when one, there are good reasons for it, two, when it fits with our inward experience, and when three, we find a trustworthy community that holds it too. 
the way I've come to believe Jesus bodily rose from the dead is, one, I've looked at the historical evidence, which is surprisingly powerful. Two, I've sensed Jesus's actual presence in my life and on my heart repeatedly over the years in ways I can't explain. Uh, I, I can't explain away, even during stretches when he seems absent. And three, I've been in many great Christian communities that believed in and lived out Jesus' resurrection in remarkable ways. Because of these three strands of my knowledge of Jesus' resurrection, it would not break my faith, as it has for some, if under number three, I discovered a significant body of hypocritical and abusive Christians, which I have, by the way. My conclusion is that at least some folks who go from firm active believers to complete disbelievers through disillusionment with the church had rested their belief in Jesus' resurrection almost completely in the number three social aspect. So that's my theory, and I'm sure it doesn't fit everyone, so don't be too upset with me. I know there will always be individual outliers. Still, I think it does explain some people's pilgrimage. That's what I was trying to say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. Uh, yeah, I don't. I I haven't experienced something that traumatic that would make me, and I'm sure some people have. So, it, it can be really bad. It it has been really bad. I mean, I know, like, for me, there there were moments, not so much about Jesus, like giving up on Jesus necessarily, but like the whole the rest of it. What? <laughs> like, really? Mm-hmm. This is happening here. Yeah. Are you kidding? This is what I get for doing the right thing or trying to be, you know, to maintain some kind of integrity or standard or, uh, you know, not be betraying Jesus every time I walked into this place. These are these are words. <clears throat> anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Words? What? Like you said, integrity. Like these are these are this is language that is not often used. At least, um, what I that that's true Christianity. And so there is a place. Can I say what I want to? Where it just it sucks. Like it just. Can I say that? You can say it sucks. Where I said it. Where it sucks dealing with people, versus Stephen was doing the right thing. I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. So back to (laughs) what you didn't say about Mardi Gras. Uh Uh-huh. Mardi Gras is, to me, as an outsider. Sure. And and basically dealing with the, the stereotypes, right? And we do have to wrap it up here probably in a little bit, but. Thank God we almost went to some places. <laughs> <laughs> it took us a while to get there, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, but it's based, it seems, the idea of the, the phrase Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday, right, is this idea that, hey, there's this season called Lent, and it starts Ash Wednesday, and everyone is going to force us to be, like, really good. And we're not going to be able to eat mead. We're not going to be able to do this. We're not going to be able to do that. All these things are going to be closed. It's just going to (laughs) suck, right? It's just going to be so awful and boring and miserable and and all that kind of stuff. 
So we better get in as much of this we better stuff get as it we in. can. Yep. Uh-huh. And and there's two things happening there. So so first, I would say that you know, I don't think repentance means like your life is supposed to be miserable. Sure, it's, it's just turning away from things that the world has convinced you is good or are good, and and turning toward the things that God says are good. Right now, I know that. Doesn't necessarily make everybody like it, but everyone's that, like, "Well, I'm I'm going to become a Christian now." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and so I think in some ways, the repentance part has the church has really screwed it up. Like, we want to emphasize how miserable you have to feel because we're tr- we're the gatekeepers, spiritual leaders. We're the gatekeepers, and you need to prove to us that you feel really sorry, and then we'll give you the goods that God wants to give out. Right, so there's there's problems there, but then the other side is like we're saying that is actually more joyful to get wasted or to fill ourselves with our favorite whatever. And hey, you know, the sweet Jesus ice cream, like which by the I, way we don't have any. we don't have any. Yeah. We're we're objecting to Mardi Gras. This is a conscientious objection. We rebel. No, it's just too early. Yeah, but uh, it's the we believe that actually those things are way better for us, way more fulfilling, way more satisfying. But they're not, and anybody that's had it all, that's done it all, that's gotten as much as you can get and more, always always realizes just how miserable you really are in the end, that it doesn't actually do that. So. Happy Mardi Gras. (laughs) (laughs) Happy Mardi Gras. That was perfect. Anyway. So you want to give a a plug for your books? I kind of don't, actually. Um I wrote a book called Vision, Seeing Through, Seeing Through the Eyes of Jesus. And I hope anyone that read it um, was stirred to pursue Jesus even more. So I, wrote, I started writing it because it was a pandemic and I had a lot of time on my hands. So mm. I was just like, I'm going to get this out. Nice. The next one, Captivated, is the one I really care about, which is why it's not finished. So that didn't make that was horrible. By the way, I cared about the first one. Too. <laughs> I was like, "Wait a second. That was horrible." This, but I was just trying to um, help people see the way Jesus sees. Um, but the next one is when I see Him as He is, I'll become like Him. Yeah. So, First John three. Yeah. Well, and you can get them on Amazon. The second one's not finished. Yeah. But the first one is finished on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Right. Any any place that they sell books, um, okay. you can get. Plus, I have some at home. You can just Facebook me, and I'll, I'll mail it to you. So. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll have to take a look at it. So, But it was good to have you in here. We, we didn't necessarily know what we were going to talk about, but we seemed to find something to talk about. And it may or may not have made sense to anyone else in the world. But I think it made sense to me. It made a lot of sense to me. I appreciate it. It's, an, it's always an honor. Um, I do love you, and this is fun, actually. I love you too, brother. 
and we can keep having these conversations, but I, I just, you know, I feel like at some point we're going to have those conversations. Like you keep saying, oh, I'm not going to say that or I'm not going to, oh, we should. So you got to be careful, yes. just extra careful. Yeah. <laughs> you're I you're better know, at this than I am. I just know people get offended sometimes. And maybe that's not the right word. Um, people just get ornery about certain things. And I'm okay with, with challenging someone, but I also want to make sure I'm being led by the Holy Spirit to challenge. Speaking yeah. the truth in love, yes. meaning you're not saying truth because you want to say truth. You're saying truth because you want it to be heard and have the impact on the person that you, right? Which means you can't say it in a way that makes them never want to see you again. Exactly, which has happened before. Oh, of course I, I, it has. I just don't think as leaders, and I, I've I had a conversation with someone recently about a month ago about this, that as a leader, you have to understand you need to be responsible with what you say. Yeah. And so I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be responsible, but I get around you and it's just. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying I'm irresponsible. <laughs> no, no. Thank you. I'm probably a little bit freer, but I, I have the same filtering that goes on because I get it. Yeah. You know, trying to keep the audience, but not sure, but baby them, right? Most people that I think most people aren't even listening. If 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 they're if they're going to get that offended, the people that are going to get offended yeah. are not going to listen. They tuned out long time ago. I don't even think offense is the right <clears throat> word, but I don't. I just don't want to get you stirred up for something I didn't really like. I want to make sure when I'm talking, I want to make sure we're we're communicating. If there are people that are going to sit through this to find something to make a, a mess out of, man, we must be doing something right. Know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what I, that's what I guess I'm saying. Yeah. And sometimes those obnoxious things is what gets people to listen. <laughs> yeah. And I know that. I know that. I think, I think sometimes it's, anyway, irresponsible, but it's okay. Yes. So I don't – I agree with that, that we actually – Finally. What are you saying? I haven't agreed no, with I'm you? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. It, there's – that's it's a heavy burden though too. Mm-hmm. You know, people I think hanging on your words. I think one day we're going to both cry in here. You think so? Yep. For a good thing or a bad thing? We're not just going to cry because we're whiny babies. We're just this. I feel, I when we're talking, I actually feel um, the Holy Spirit, his presence helping us, like, share things out of our hearts, things that we're maybe not even talking about with other people. He better be helping us. So. Otherwise, we're so screwed. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, you I, can say I, whatever I, you want. Oh, just, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, hey, good to be with you, brother. We'll uh, find a time to do this again, and maybe we'll have something in mind. Maybe we won't. We tried. We did try, and uh, I think we'll be able to try again. So we had I just we had three topics. I think we actually touched on, well, two of them. Four, three out of four, because I put your book down too. Okay. So we kind of did the encounter thing, although not exactly. We didn't do this living life on purpose thing. We did talk about Mardi Gras, right? We did. And then we talked about your book. 
for like 30 seconds because you said you didn't want to give it a plug, but you gave it a plug anyway. Yes. All right. <laughs> Let's go. You got to go home. Your wife's waiting for you. And I got a Zoom meeting because the rest of the world doesn't celebrate Mardi Gras. So, all right, y'all. Hey, good to be with you. Hope you've enjoyed the uh, ramblings of uh, Ecom and Amel. And we'll, oh, the Ecom and Amel show. The Ecom and Amel show. Yeah, something like that. We'll catch up with y'all later. See ya.